0: good just to be in the land of the living. Amen. It's good to be, amen, amongst those who are living, those who are giving God the glory on this day. And we're grateful, amen, for his kindness to each and every one of us. And I'm glad to see each and every one of you. Amen. Each of you over this past year, if anybody could ever say that I'm a living testimony. Amen. This has certainly been a year that we can say that amen i'm a testimony i'm a living and breathing testimony of god's goodness because all of us may not have contracted the virus but we've all been through something amen we've all struggled and been through something amen but we're just a living testimony and i just praise the lord that i'm still alive the reason i can testify of being alive is because he still lives songwriter said because he lives Amen. I can face tomorrow. Whatever tomorrow may face, no matter matter what the devil is brewing up right now. Amen. Because God is alive, because Christ lives, I am not afraid. Because the, the writer went on to say, I know who holds tomorrow, and I know he holds my hand. Is anybody glad for that this morning? Amen. I'm grateful to God that he is yet and remains in control despite whatever situation we might be facing on today. We're going quickly to the word of the Lord. We're going to 2 Kings, the fifth chapter. And we're going to be sharing a very familiar story, hopefully from a different perspective. Again, that's 2 Kings chapter 5. And we'll begin at verse 1 and then we'll skip down to verses 9 through 14. 2 Kings chapter 5. And we'll begin at verse 1. While you're looking, I'll begin reading, and this is from the English Standard Version. It says, Naaman, commander of the army of the king of Syria, was a great man with his master and in high favor, because by him the Lord had given victory to Syria. He was a mighty man of valor, but he was a leper. Verse 9. Verse 9 says, if you're with me. But the man of God sent word to the king of Israel. He said, I'm sorry, I've skipped ahead. Verse 9 reads, and I've skipped to chapter 6. So Naaman came with his horses and chariots and stood at the door of Elisha's house. And Elisha sent a messenger to him saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times. Somebody say seven times. And your flesh shall be restored. And you shall be clean. But Naaman was angry and went away saying, Behold, I thought that he would surely come out to me and stand and call upon the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the place and cure the leper. Are not Abana and Pharpar the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in rage. But his servants came near and said to him, My father, it is a great word the prophet has spoken to you. Will you not do it? He has actually said to you, Wash and be clean. So he went down and dipped himself seven times in the Jordan, according to the word of the man of God. And his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child. And he was clean. Heavenly Father, Lord, touch our hearts and our minds to be receptive in this destiny moment. Lord, let us recognize this moment as important and significant to us spiritually. Lord, let our hearts, our minds, and our spirits be open to how your word directs and takes us in this moment. Let your word be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Lord, let us consider this a fork in the road, Lord, and approach the moment as such. And let us be ready to take the path that you have told us and will tell us by your word. And most of all, Lord, do not allow us to leave this moment unchanged. In Jesus' name, amen, and be blessed. Our thought for this morning is, and for my older saints, I'll have to explain, it's all cap. All cap. What does that mean? And for my younger and millennial generation, they'll understand this a little bit better. When someone says cap these days, it means that you are exaggerating. That you are, as we would say during my time, you are putting on a front. You're not properly representing what's going on. You are inflating and conflating the situation to the degree that you're exaggerating past the point where you can even say you're even telling the truth. Because at this point, everything that you're saying is so much fiction and it's so much exaggeration that you're so far from the truth that they even say that's all cap, which means everything you're saying is untrue. You've exaggerated so much that and it's so far from the truth that everything that you're saying and suggesting is simply an exaggeration. That's what it means when they say all cap. When I thought about it in a reference to this text, I began to consider how some of the things that we do and many of the, I should say many of the things we do in life are more an exaggeration or a show and not fully representative of how things truly are to the degree that we focus more on what it appears to be than what it really is. Sometimes I I, I was, we were talking at work one day that we, we had a child who has a problem, but the, the issue that we 're having with in diagnosing the problem is that the child also pretends sometimes they pretend they're having the problem beyond the actual issue, so it 's difficult to di- diagnose the issue because they pretend so much in other words, it 's like where, where where does the capping start and where does it end <laughs> we don 't know where the exaggeration begins and where it ends because they pretend so much. Some of us in our own lives that we cap so much if you will that and we exaggerate so much that we can't resolve some of our own issues because our life has become an exaggeration it's become a show that we put on for social media we begin to pretend like we don't have issues that we have because we do it so often for the sake of trying to impress someone else And a lot of times I, i say we we put on a front, we're capping, we're, we're exaggerating for the point of, for, of impressing people often who don't care. And uh, then those who do care, some of them we don't even like. So why are we spending so much time and our energy trying to impress those who are not even close to us? Because those who are close to you probably know the real story. And a lot of times those people are the ones who behind the scenes, maybe not to your face. They're the ones saying, yeah, that's all, Cap. <laughs> that's all exaggeration. They're just pretending. I know what the, what the situation really is. Reference to, as it references our text, I begin to look at how Naaman approaches this whole situation. Sometimes I've shared this text, and in sharing it, I have focused on how he was healed. But today I want to focus on the circumstances leading up to him being healed. One of the things that we find here, and I think it's so important and it's too incumbent in this story for us not to share it in any context, is that it talks about the accomplishments of Naaman. Naaman is the captain of the guard. He's a man who's respected by his masters. He's respected by those who are under him, but Naaman is a leper. So it lists his accomplishments, but then it labels him as a a leper. So beyond everything else that he's accomplished, most people focus on the label and I want to talk to somebody right now for for just a few moments about living past and beyond your label because whoever you are and whatever situation you find yourself in life right now someone has labeled you and many times when they label you they try to diminish who you are they try to diminish your accomplishments Notice here, they're saying all of these beautiful flowery things about Naaman, but at the end, it's almost a disclaimer, which is saying despite all of the things that he has accomplished, and despite all the things that he's done, and despite all the people that respect him, the most important thing that I want to leave with you is that he is a leper. And many times, people do the same things with us, and let's be fair, sometimes we do the same things with ourselves. I remember the song and it's a beautiful song. Mother Orly Johnson used to sing it so be- beautiful, beautifully. Uh, but part of the song said, I'm only human and I'm just a woman. And I'm just a woman for so many years was a disclaimer. It, w- it represented that women were in some way inferior and didn't have the ability to do certain things. In many ways, saying that is taking on a label. Some of us as African Americans have done the same thing. There's things I wanna do, there are things I wanna accomplish, but I'm black, but I'm African American. So we're suggesting that a label is limiting our capacity or ability to do even greater things. And I might ask you, what is the label that you have accepted for yourself? Not the label that someone else has put on you, but I'm asking what is the label that you have accepted in your mind for yourself. Labels can be different. You might say, well, I'm not a college graduate. So that's a label. So that means I'm I'm allowing myself to be limited by what I have done or what I have not done. You may be trying to limit yourself by your age. I'm too young or I'm too old. And I'm talking about labels that you've accepted. I'm not talking about labels that people give you. Because people can give you many labels. Don't worry about people labeling you. You're so concerned about haters and enemies. Oh, they label me this and they label me that. Don't worry about what they call you. What do you call yourself? That's good. That's good. Well, what do you call yourself when you look in the mirror? What have you accepted in your mindset? What are the limitations that you've allowed to creep inside your mind and limit what you do? Remember, I told you faith comes by hearing, but so also does doubt. What are you speaking to yourself? And what are other people speaking in your life that you have accepted and you have adapted what you're doing based on what somebody else told you? You're you're, you're changing how you act. You're changing even your confidence. Confidence. Don't allow your confidence to be belayed because somebody else is trying to label you. And the only way you do that is when you accept and internalize that label for yourself. A lot of times we do this with children. And one of the, th- the worst labels that I, I hate, I hate this. And this is one time that you'll upset me and we'll get personal with it. Don't call, don't call a child a bad kid. I, I'm going to get frustrated with you if you call a child a bad kid because that's a label and you're trying to limit their their possibilities. You're trying to limit their future by giving them a label that many times if that label gets passed along, they internalize that and many times they begin to live out the label that you gave them. Keep telling the kid he's a bad kid. He accepts it. Well, I'm a bad kid, so that means I need to be bad. That means I need to show people how bad I am. That means I need to not do my work, and I need to make sure that I, that I intimidate other children because that's my label. They're living out, living out the label. They are internalizing a label that somebody else gave them. And we as adults, we do the same thing. People label you and limit you. That's what you need to understand. When they label you, they limit you when you internalize that label. That means even if they give you a good label, That means you might be greater than that label. That might not be the only thing that you can do. You might say somebody is a great singer. Maybe they are a great singer, but is that all they can do? By labeling them, you may be limiting their mindset and their possibilities into other things they can do. On your job, sometimes that happens. People label you as doing one thing well when you might have many other possibilities. Child actors will tell you that. Sometimes they get a great role as a child, and then they have, their possibilities are limited because Hollywood limits them to that particular role. They play that role so well that, nope, they, that people can't imagine them doing anything else. They talk about the guy, you remember this, many of you, I'm, I'm going to lose my younger generation here, this, the movie Forrest Gump. I was recently reading an article about McKelty Washington, the guy who portrayed the uh, character Bubba Gump. And for many of you who, who are familiar with the story, he had the, he actually had a prosthetic lip that stuck out and he talked real country and, you know, real slow. And he, he was he didn't have, wasn't very, a very intelligent person. The actor said that his possibilities were limited for many years because producers and, and those in Hollywood only could see him in that role. So even though he did something great, and someone might consider that a good label, even good labels can limit your opportunities if you do not allow yourself to live beyond that label. Because you're multifaceted. I'm telling somebody right now, there are many things, there are many blessings, there are many gifts that live inside of you. I'm telling you right now that God gives us power. All of you who who are not even working inside that gift, you have the power. You have been strengthened to be witnesses. And somebody right now is like, well, no, I'm shy. I work good behind the scenes. I work good when nobody sees me. I do the jobs that nobody else does. And maybe you do. And maybe that's a positive label. But I want you to live beyond that label. Because there are things that you can do that are beyond that. God has given you the gift to be multifaceted to do more than even you can. We serve a God that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think. God can pull things out of you, get this, that you don't know are there. But God knows because he put it in you. God knows that the multidimensional gift that he that that is you. He knows the multifaceted personality that he has put inside of you. And many times we don't even know that it's there. Because we have not, as the Bible reminds us, stirred up the gift of God that is inside of us. We have to stir it up. We have to use it. We have to to reach out. We have to branch out. And when God asks us to do something, maybe the next time somebody asks you to do something that's outside your comfort zone, that's just a reminder from God to, to you that you're multifaceted that you're not just what that label says you are, that you need to exceed and live past the label that somebody has put on you. You may do one job well where you work, but baby, that doesn't mean you can't do another job well. Doesn't mean that you're not, just because you can work the machine, doesn't mean you don't know how to supervise people. Just because you can flip the fries doesn't mean you you can't drive the delivery truck. There may be something inside of you that is greater, but you have not stirred up the gift that God has put on the inside of you. So I'm encouraging somebody right now to live beyond your label and someone who's watching us virtually hashtag that live beyond your label. Whatever someone has labeled you with, whether it be good or whether it be bad, I encourage you that the next time, somebody say the next time, the next time somebody asks you or challenges you to try something different, think of that as the voice of God stirring up the gift on the inside of you so that he can show you that there is more to you than you've already seen. There's more to you than you've already seen. So those who've been in this church a long time know that I was back there where my son was running the media system, and I was fine. I enjoyed it. I I was fine. I understood and appreciated what I was doing behind the scenes, and that was fine with me until God called me out to speak. God knew what was in me. God knew what my destiny was. God knew what my purpose was. And for those who knew me then and some who know me now, I'm still probably an introvert at heart. I'm not a very loud and boisterous person uh, when when you see me out in public. But, But when I'm here, God is pulling something out of me that at the time, I'll just be honest, I didn't know was in me. But I had to allow God's challenge to stir up the gift of something that he knew that was inside of me. Even when I could not recognize it myself. And I came to tell you there's more in you. That there is a gift that is multifaceted. It's multidimensional. We serve a God that can do all things. We have to serve a God that when he speaks something, it becomes whatever he says it is. And I'm telling you right now, there's more in you. There, there are greater things in you. And the next time, somebody say the next time. Next time, next time somebody asks you to do something that's beyond your comfort zone. I don't want you to think of them as bothering you. I don't want you to think of them as trying to... Sometimes we, we, when someone asks us to do something that we're not familiar with, sometimes we think that person might be trying to embarrass you. No. But maybe it's God using them to pull out of you something that he knows is already inside. Naaman, he was a ca- captain of the guard. He was known because he had brought on behalf of God victory for Syria. But the disqualifier in the label that they tried to place upon him was that of being a leper. Moving forward in the story, Naaman, great man, he is frustrated because he is a leper. And when he speaks out on what he's dealing with, what he's suffering with, a young maid from the house of Israel, if you read the text between verses 2 and 9, a young maid from the house of Israel hears Of her master's dilemma. She hears of his suffering. And when she does she says. I wish that he was in Israel. So that the prophet could speak to him. Who I know. I know. Could heal his leprosy. That's powerful. You know what she's doing? This woman is in a a low position. With very low regard. But she has not lost her testimony. She hasn't lost her testimony and she's willing to speak on that, which she knows just because you feel like you're in a place of lower guard. Don't don't feel don't feel like you have been uh, that you cannot speak, that you've lost your voice because your testimony is powerful wherever you go. Your testimony, and we give this to you until you get it. Your testimony is powerful wherever you go. Your testimony has the ability to change other people's lives. The Bible says they overcame by the blood of the lamb and and the word of their testimony. Your testimony has the power to change people's lives. And have you ever thought that the reason that the devil tries to make you feel ashamed about your testimony is so that you won't share it with somebody else? Has it ever crossed your mind? The devil wants me to feel ashamed about what I've been through. He wants me to to, to lock it up in a place and carry it to my grave. Maybe, and just maybe, he wants me to do this so that I don't unleash the power of my testimony, so that it has the ability to impact somebody else's life. Testimonies are powerful, but unshared, unshared testimonies are the power that has been covered up that has not been released and as long as you cover up that testimony that power will never be released that power will never have the impact that it could have on somebody else's life because somebody out there needs to know that what they're dealing with somebody else has already been there Somebody needs to know that that, that you're not suffering this thing by yourself. No temptation that has come before us that's not common to man, but God is faithful who will not suffer us to be tempted above that we are able. Somebody else is dealing with your situation. Somebody else has had a death that was tragic to them. Somebody else has lost a child. Somebody else has overcome addiction. Somebody else has overcome your physical malady, has come over, uh, overcome your illness. Even if it's a mental illness, somebody else has been there. And as a church and as a people, we need to speak on it because somebody out there is depressed and lonely and suffering from anxiety and they think they're by themselves. But we need to open our mouths and testify and say, Baby, I've been where you are, I've been there. I felt alone. I thought about hurting myself. I felt ashamed to share my illness and what I was thinking in my mind with somebody else. Somebody made me feel like I didn't have faith in God because I was depressed. Somebody made me feel like I I wasn't studying the word like I should because I was dealing with anxiety. Somebody made me feel like that my life must not be lined up with God because I was struggling and suffering with this. But somebody in the church needs to open their mouth and tell them, baby, you're not by yourself. Somebody else has dealt with it. And I need you to understand that this is most important. Baby, I've been where you are. But guess what? I got through that. That was just a storm. That was just the valley of the shadow of death. It does not have to be your end. But I want you to know that just like David, you can walk through that and goodness and mercy will follow you through the valley of anxiety. Goodness and mercy will accompany you through the valley of depression. Goodness and mercy will be right there with you when you feel like hurting yourself, when you feel like hitting your life. You're not by yourself, but somebody else has been where you are and they came out of that situation you are not alone and we had we 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 had we celebrate mental illness awareness months and all that but we need to celebrate that every month because people need to be aware all times of year because we're going into a season where it becomes more acute particularly with people who have lost somebody important in their lives when we go through the holidays, that's when anxiety and depression and harming yourself are at an all-time high. So if you have a testimony to share with somebody else, I challenge you to share that testimony because you never know how powerful that testimony might be. And you never know how it might challenge somebody else. To, get this. You sharing your testimony might challenge somebody else to, to share theirs. And when they share theirs, get this you may trigger something where they reach somebody that you would never reach. There is unleashed power in the unshared testimony. This woman shared her testimony. Says, I know, and I love the confidence of this handmaiden because I came to tell somebody else right here, I want you to get this. It doesn't matter where your position is in life. Sometimes you can be in a low position and be happier than the folks above you. You can, you can be happy of the folks that are perceived to have more than you have. Naaman, he's the captain of the guard. He's, he's the great man in, in, amongst his truth. He is honored and, and esteemed, but, but he's dealing with leprosy and doesn't know what to do about it. But the handmaiden, at the lowest point of the house, if she had gotten leprosy, she knew what to do. She wouldn't have been worried. She wouldn't have been concerned because she said, I I know a man. And there's a little bit of power in knowing a man. Uh, I might flip fries through the week and I might mop the floors through the week, but baby, don't get twisted. I, I know a man. Oh, come on in here with me. I, I I might pick up the garbage on the street, and I might paint, and I I might I might work in construction. I might do this, and nobody might know my name. But don't get it twisted, baby. I I know. I know. My my my, my clothes might not have all the stylish names on it. And I might not go to boutiques where everything costs a thousand dollars. I can't afford all of that. But don't get it twisted by my appearance. I know. Oh, my. I know a man, I might not have the most beautiful makeup. I don't know how to shade my face to look like a superstar, but that's all right, baby. Well, however I look, I want you to understand that I know, don't don't get it twisted. I I, I know a man because Joseph said I was in the pit, but I knew a man. Uh, I I was in slavery on the way to Egypt, but I knew a man. I I was in the house of Potiphar, and I was amongst the slaves, but I knew a man. Oh, they threw me in jail, but don't get it twisted, baby. I I knew a man. And before I became the man, I knew the man. I wish wish you... Later on, they called me the man because I was second in command of Egypt. But the only reason I got there is because I didn't lose my mind in the pit. I didn't forget who I was when I was a slave. I didn't forget who I was when I was in prison. Because even if you don't lift me up, I got to lift up on the inside. Because I, somebody say it with me, I know a man. Somebody who says it and mean it, just say it right. Say, I know a man. I know a man. I, I know a man. Don't, don't get confused by how I look. Don't get confused by where I work. Don't get confused about my education. Don't get confused about how I dress. Don't get confused about where I live. Baby, don't get it twisted. I know a man. I know a man. I, I know a man. I I, I, I know a man, I know a man that that makes sure that all things work together for my good. I, I know a man, I know a man that makes sure that no weapon that's formed against me shall prosper. Somebody say, I know a man. I know a man that even when it seems like I'm at my lowest point, I know that my God shall supply all my need because I know. I know a man. So it doesn't matter what it looks like on the outside, it matters what's going on on the inside. Y'all sit down real quick. I, I still got to finish this. Somebody just yell real quick. Say, I know a man. So the captain of the house and the captain of the guard had to consult the handmaiden because she knew somebody that he didn't know. Hmm. Think of the power. The power of that statement. So she she shares with him that there's a man in in, in Israel. And so he goes through this whole thing. He makes it official. He writes a letter to the king of Israel. He said, I'm holding you responsible for getting me healed. King of Israel's like... Man, what are you talking about? <laughs> Why are you holding me responsible? But he was talking about referring him to Elisha. So he gets down in verse 9 to the home of Elisha. He gets down there. And then Elisha. And man, I, when it happened, I read this every time. I'm like, man, this is like a boss move. This is a boss move. You, you got the captain of and a representative of the king of the occupying country coming to your house and he doesn't even go see him. He sends his servant like, ah, the Lord said, go wash in the Jordan, the dirty Jordan. Somebody say dirty Jordan. <laughs> go wash in the muddy, dirty Jordan seven times and you shall be healed. That was, somebody say boss move. <laughs> that was a, that was i bo- I'm like, man, Elisha, I didn't, I didn't know you had that in you. They came to your house, the captain, I'm sure he was all dressed up, had his breastplate on, had his sword out, riding along in his chariot with all the horses. They rolled up to his, just think of somebody rolling up in a, in a, in a cavalcade of limousines up to your house. And you send your child out to see what they want. <laughs> boss move. I, 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 it surprised me, but but what I came to tell you is that that, that But if you know a man, there's going to be people coming to your house. Mm, I, I just want you to get it. Huh? And what I mean, not, it may not be literally your address, but there are going to be some folks that are coming to you. And when you tell them what the Lord said, I'm just going to let you know you're going to get blessed because you knew God. I'm telling somebody right now, you're going to be blessed. You might, I, I, I'm speaking that into somebody's life right now. It's not because of your education. It's not because of your job. It's not because of your, it, it's not because of your influence. It's simply because you knew a man. God's going to allow something to come into your life. They're going to come to your doorstep. And when you give them God's word, I'm going to let you know you're about to be blessed. So they come to him. He tells them what to do. And then this is what gets with Naaman and gets it gets with us. And I needed to get to this because we're like Naaman in this story. Naaman said, and read the text, I like it. He's like, he said, I thought, I thought, I thought that he would have come to see me. I thought, and this is what he's really meaning, I'm important. I, I'm impotent, you know, with no i I'm impotent. Uh, I, he should come see me. I'm, I'm probably the most important man that's ever come to his house. He ought to come out and see me. I thought he would walk out and he'd wave his hand over my leprosy and then I'd be healed. And I want you to get this because this is the key to the whole, this is the key to the whole resolution of what I, the problem that I presented to you in this message. It was more important to him in that moment in terms of how it looked and how it was done than him achieving his result. It was more important because he was like, I'm important, so I want the important prophet to come out here and and, and wave his hands. I thought that's how it should be done because I'm important, because to me, and you get this, when people are important, it's important to them how things look. Sometimes, we're talking about no cap, sometimes the, the, the cap, the exaggeration, the, 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 the optics are more important than actually achieving, the, uh, achieving what needs to be done. I remember I had a position, i got to close here. I had a position at, at a place where we were working with children, and then all of a sudden they gave us all this paperwork, and the paperwork became the most important thing. And I started saying, it's more important to them that I finish the paperwork than I actually do the job that the paperwork's talking about. I'm spending more time filling out doing what I did than actually doing what I was supposed to be doing. It's as if the optics were more important than the results. The optics were more important than even what I was doing. So Naaman was so concerned about them waving the hand and it looking good and and the right man coming out to meet him that he forgot, hey man, you have leprosy. Let's, let's get over being leprous before we start working about optics. And I came to tell somebody right now, you think you want to get over that, but God is telling me to tell you, you're not desperate enough yet. You're more concerned with what it looks like than the result. Because baby, I I tell you, when you get desperate enough, you'll cry and don't care that your, you, you, your mascara gets smeared. Come on in here with me now. When when you're really desperate, you'll cry, you'll you'll miss your hair appointments, and you won't care that part of your tracks and your weave are falling out. Come in here with me. When when you're really desperate, you're not concerned about how they look at you at work. You don't care about people looking at you cross-eyed. I'm talking about when you're really going through something, when you're really desperate, you forget about the optics. He said, I came to Jesus as I was, weary, wounded, and sad, and I found in him a resting place, and he's made me glad I was not concerned about how I looked. I was not concerned about the optics. The only thing that I was concerned about was getting to Jesus. And somewhere in between him leaving his house and arriving at the home of the prophet, Naaman forgot the primary objective, was not appearing good to his truth, was not looking good in front of his men, but was being delivered from being a leper. Because everything else that you accomplished seemed to be set aside by the fact that you are a leper. So then he says, but that's not his only complaint. He complained that the prophet didn't come out and wave his hand over the sword, but then he said, and you're going to send me to the dirty Jordan River? Come on now. Now, you know, of all the rivers around here, that's the dirtiest, messiest, muddiest thing that I could get in. Hey, why don't you send me? I thought, somebody say, I thought. <laughs> I thought you would send me to the Abana or the Farfa rivers of, of Damascus, which are much cleaner. But you know what? The problem with with some of those clean rivers, get this, they think those rivers have healing and holistic properties in themselves. So God didn't want Naaman to get it twisted. Who deserved the glory? And sometimes while you worry about the optics, God's worried about the glory. I want to make it clear that when you come out of this situation, it's not where you went. It's not who you knew. It's not who prayed over you. But it's me, God Almighty, that delivered and brought you out of that situation. It's just me. When I began to think about Naaman, I thought about this. I'm going to leave you with this analogy. And it's truth. I began to think about how often we do the same thing that Naaman does. We're more concerned about how we get there than we are about getting there. I'm gonna show you the story about one of my, it was one of my real, my first uh, cruise experiences. And it was a destination, my wife and I was for, it was our anniversary. And praise God, God allowed us to see the end of this year. It'll be 21 years together. <laughs> Amen. That's just a blessing. <clears throat> but we were on our honeymoon, and we were on a cruise, and then the cruise docked in Jamaica. And, we, and I, it was my first time. I'm excited. I'm like, yes, we're in, we're in Jamaica. So we get, we get there, and they're having little tours around Jamaica. So when I get there, the, the tour driver, I looked, and I, I promise you, This looked like somebody had taken a van and cut off the back of it, cut off the back of a van and cut off some of the sides and and put up just some like some wood supports. And I felt like because I felt like I think I was on the edge and this man, it was raining and he were going up hills and we were driving in this old cut out handmade van. Driving around Jamaica, showing us all of these sights. Now, the sights were beautiful. And like I said, it was my first time there, so I was overwhelmed by what I saw. But if I had been consumed by how the vehicle looked, if I had been consumed by the thing that was transporting me to these destinations, I wouldn't have enjoyed the fullness of what he was trying to show me. Because it was more, the destination was more important than, than the vehicle. And, and get me and follow me here because there are a lot of people out here that, that, that I know and that you know. I, I remember one of my first memories in, in Memphis when I, when I first moved out there is a friend took me to his house and we drove by a house and he was laughing because there was a big Humvee sitting out of a dilapidated shotgun house. And I'm talking about a $100,000 plus vehicle that was parked at a $20,000 house. And why would you spend so much time making sure your vehicle looks good to go to a destination that you don't like? Why are we so concerned about how our transportation and how we appear to other people to go to places we don't like? So we have a nice car, but I don't like where I live. I have a nice car, get this, and I don't like where I work. So the vehicle that's transporting me between two destinations, that I don't like either one of them. Just thought about that. That many of us, we get so caught up in how things look that we forget about our destination. And our destination should be heaven. Is that right? Somebody, is anybody in here want to go to heaven? Anybody want to go and live and be with God? So if I want to live and be with God, why am I worried about how how long my nails are and how long my hair is? I'm more concerned because our bodies, you know what your body is? Your body is the vehicle. I'm spending more time on the vehicle than I'm spending on the destination. I'm spending more time trying to look good to other people. I told you taking those camera shots on Facebook from the right angle. So it don't show, you know, your facial imperfections and, and show, make sure you look slim enough. So I, I, I angle it this high and then I stand to the side and I point my toe that way. So come on here. But But I'm more focused on that and I spend more time on that than I do reading God's word. So am I more enamored with the vehicle or the destination? Because I come to tell you, if we don't, if we're not careful and I'm done, we're going to drive Humvees on earth just to take us to a place that we don't like. We're going to drive expensive, beautiful vehicles on earth just to arrive at a place where God says, I don't know you. Let's make sure that the lives we live are not all cap and no substance, but I want to live a life. Somebody come in here with me now. I wanna live a life. I wanna focus on the right things now. I wanna read God's word. I wanna stay connected to God in prayer so that when I leave here, I can't take this body with me anyway. Can't take it with you. Can't take it with you. I'm gonna end with my favorite joke which embodies what we're talking about. You can stay, I'm finished. There was a rich young wife who had a husband who was very rich and he was on his hospital bed and he didn't feel, he just felt like he wasn't going to make it. So he told his his young rich wife, he said, baby, he said, no disrespect to you, but when I leave, I want to take all my money with me. I want you to bury me with all of my money. And the wife said, okay. So the funeral came and the man's casket was laid before him and the funeral directors were about to close the lid of the casket. But before they did, the woman came and she brought a check that listed every dime of his money and she put it in the casket with him so that he could be buried. (laughs) with all of his money. Don't live a life that's all capital. You can't take anything with you. Can't take anything with you. Any of the things that you accumulate that you possess, you can't take it with you. Let's make sure that we're not so focused on the vehicle that we forget our destination. Naaman forgot that the whole purpose of going to the prophet's house was to be healed from leprosy. Don't forget that the point of living here don't forget, this is, I, I, I like the, the song, right? We don't sing the song enough, the old song, the, but the, this, is, this, this, is not, this is not our home. We're, we're just strangers that are traveling in a strange land. But we have a home, and Elder Johnson would say, over in Zion. We have a new home over in Zion, and we should prepare every day. Somebody say every day every day our mind our focus and our priority should be preparing our hearts and our minds to be with God come on put those hands together and give God some praise hallelujah give him some praise our heads are bowed and eyes are closed heavenly father lord let us not lose focus on the purpose of our life let us not lose focus on what we should be working on Let us be reminded that our soul is most important and that our bodies are just a vehicle that is transporting us to our ultimate destination. Let's be purposeful in that each day, in how we live, in how we read your word, in how we pray, in how we communicate with you. Lord, even in how we allow our lights to shine. Lord, that may require us stirring up the gift that's on the inside. So the multifaceted beings that you have created, that multifaceted gift that's on the inside may be a blessing and may be a light to somebody else. Let's reveal it, Lord. Let's expose it to the light. We don't hide the light behind a bushel, but let's expose that multifaceted gift to the world so that we can reach more people. Lord, let's uncover that unshared testimony with somebody so that it can be a blessing to those around around us but lord even greater that it might inspire and encourage somebody else to share their testimony so that they can be a blessing to people that we even never touch that we may ever never even know and regardless of where we may be lord regardless of our station in life no matter how much money we have or how much we don't lord Let us be reminded of the special gift you give us in our heart of knowing that I know a man, wherever I am, I know a man. I I know a man that can heal all diseases. I know a man, Lord, that can deliver and make sure that I have everything that I need. I know a man that can do above and beyond even what my mind can imagine. Lord, I know you. Let us be reminded of that in our daily walk so that we can live with expectation, we can live with faith, and that we can let our light shine, that others might see us, but yet glorify you who are in heaven. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Come on, put those hands together and give God some praise for those who have been watching us virtually. We say, may you be blessed and encouraged throughout this week. Don't live your life all cap, but live your life knowing that by faith you have the victory. God bless you. pray that each of you are touched and inspired by our service today. If you wish to partner with us, you can do so by Giveify. Download the app on Apple Store or Google Play and search for Bright Temple. If you wish to partner with us on Cash App, just look for Bright Temple in the two line and in the four line, tell us the purpose of your gift. If you would rather mail your gift, you can mail us at Bright Temple. Post Office Box 453, Shelbyville, Tennessee, 37162. Thanks in advance for your generosity, and we pray God's blessings on you and your gift.